Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Colossians series. Who's enjoyed this series so far? Anything? God spoke to you in this? Man, me too. It's been awesome. I love it. Love it. Third week of four weeks. Heather's going to wrap it up. Got a great message next week. I got a little preview of that, so don't miss next week. Um, I'm unbelievably excited to preach today. I, I think I always say that, but but I am. I'm, I'm super, I'm jacked. And uh, so buckle up, this message is going to explode out of me. Um, I want to start off by telling you a story. It's a true story. You probably know this story. It's from John chapter 11. It's about a man named Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. He lived in this town named Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha it was the Mary that later poured the expensive perfume, remember that, over the feet of Jesus? That Mary, that Martha, you know them. And uh, their brother Lazarus was sick. And so the two sisters, they sent a message, probably not a text message, but somehow they got a hoeing pigeon or, or somebody to run to Jesus a few towns away, wherever he was, and say, hey, your, your buddy, your friend Lazarus is sick. We, we need you to come back, Jesus. We need you to heal our guy, Lazarus. But when, when Jesus heard the message, he, says, he said to the messenger back, he says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, this happened that the glory of God would be re- revealed. Amen? So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, man, Jesus is just not coming. Jesus is just not answering my prayer. Um, man, Jesus, where are you? I'm sick. I'm frustrated with this situation. Where are you, Jesus? I want you to put your name in there. Put your name in Lazarus's spot for just a moment. Make it personal, because really, this is your story. A man named Chris was sick. A woman named Heather was sick. A man named Andrew was sick. A woman named Michaela was sick. Make it personal. See, you were sick. And in order to get well, you first needed to die. You were so sick that you had to die first in order to be healed hello you needed to die to who you were so that you could be raised to life in who you are that's really quiet in here anybody tracking with me this morning you needed to die to who you were so that you could be raised to life in who you actually are and jesus finally arrives at bethany a few days late, and he was told when he arrived that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. I wonder what in your life today you feel like has died. And Jesus arrives at the 
the tomb, and it's this cave with a stone rolled across the entrance, and Jesus says, roll the stone aside. And of course, Martha's like, I don't think you want to do that. That's going to stink. That smell's going to be terrible. And he said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I'm going to say it out loud right now so that all the people standing here will believe that you sent me. And then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And out of that cave walks a dead man. You needed to die to who you were so that you could be raised to life in who you actually are. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. We're going to focus on the first five verses, and then I'm going to jump down. This whole chapter is so good. But Paul starts it off, starts this chapter off, this letter off, and this part of the letter. Because really, they didn't have, he didn't have chapters in his letters, but this is how they broke it up. But he starts this part off so strong. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth, for you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Amen? There's so much going on here. We read those verses and we think, man, that's really nice. We've been raised to life with Christ. That's cool. We should think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Paul. Here's the thing. It's not just nice. It's not just good. This is absolutely foundational truth for you and I as Christ followers. You, we have to get this right. This is life-changing stuff. This message, not because of me, not because of what Paul wrote, but because of Jesus Christ, this message can transform your life as a Christ follower. And, and I want to unpack this story for you today so that you and I are wrecked for normal. Amen? I don't want to be normal. I want to be a little crazy. Thank you. I received that. So last week I was traveling on the West Coast, and late one night I, I get this fraud email alert from American Express. What had happened was a thief had tried to steal my identity, and they would tried to place some charges uh, on my behalf, pretend that they were me. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Okay, a few of you in here. So you know what I'm talking about. So I saw the email. I'm like, I did not buy that. I don't know what that is. Nope. I think they're right. So I called Amex and confirmed, yes, those were not my charges. I am Chris Taves, not whoever else this is. And somebody, yes, wasn't trying to steal from me. And so immediately, American Express, they canceled the charges against me. And they inactivated my American Express card. And then they issued me a new card. And overnighted it to me. So that was Tuesday night, um, you know, late. So Wednesday, they overnighted the card to me. Thursday, I was going to get the card. So um, I told my friend Josh, hey, hey, remind me Thursday. I got a card coming to the hotel because I don't want to leave here without it. So Thursday night, there was so much going on, I forgot, which is a whole nother story. 
If you got 10 hours sometime, I'll tell you. And so Thursday night, I'm actually working on this message late in the lobby of the hotel room, or the hotel there, and I remember, oh yeah, that card came in. I better go get it. So I go to the front desk, and I said, hey, can I, is there a package for me? Yes. Here you go, sign for it. So then I went back to where, where I was working at, at the table in the lobby, and I opened the package, and all of a sudden, I've got two almost identical American Express cards sitting in front of me, just like that. Those were the two cards. So I'm giving one away today. Anybody want one? You can, I mean, feel free, you can use it wherever you want to purchase. Snap a picture of that number there. You have my permission. Seriously, anybody want this? Somebody does. My wife does. You already got one. You can go to any store and use it. I'm serious. See, here's what we know, though. This card is worthless now. It has zero power. It's dead. Completely and utterly dead. And you know what I think? Some of us are trying to walk through our Christian life using a dead card. Using something that has no power. We're trying to make purchases with something that's completely useless. And then we wonder what's wrong. And Paul writes, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, then set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand, the side of power. Think about things of heaven, not of earth, for you died to this life. Your real life is hidden in Christ. You died to this life. You're dead. Your real life, your real life is hidden with Jesus. If you've turned to Jesus, then your old self is dead. It's dead, 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 dead. Anybody tracking? Is this making sense? When you repented and you turned to Jesus, your sin was imputed onto him. In other words, your sin was assigned to Jesus. In that moment that you turned to him in your heart, was said the words out loud, however you did that, whenever you made that 180 and repented to Jesus. And listen to me, if you haven't done that, you can do that here and now, right here in your own words. You just turn to the Father and say, God, take me. I'm yours. I want to be your son or your daughter. I repent. I turn from my old way, and I'm going to walk in my new way. Right now, here, done. In that moment, you died with Jesus. I can't explain this scientifically, but it's true. In that moment, you were crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. Because he lives outside of time and space, yes? In that moment, you were dead. In that moment, with the, the full weight of humanity's sin upon him, Jesus, the second Adam, as Rochelle preached so eloquently a month ago, cried out, It is finished. And the massive earthquake, remember that, happened at that moment. And the curtain in the temple that protected the holies of holies, this thing was huge. It was thick, like six inches thick. Huge curtain. In that moment, it ripped from the top to the bottom. No, No human hands could have done this. In that exact moment, the Spirit of God 
which had formerly occupied that place in the holies of holies, began to occupy a temple called you. You were crucified with Christ, your old self dead. And in that moment in the spiritual realm, something happened. Ryan talked about it last week. If you haven't heard the podcast, go listen to it. Colossians 2, 14, one of my favorite verses of all time because it paints this picture of this replay that I want to see in heaven. This is the highest grossing film in heaven, I guarantee you. He, being Jesus, canceled the record of charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, this is the moment when everything changed. Absolutely everything. Your old enemy, the devil, remember him, that guy? He tried to steal your identity. But the fraud detection department in heaven... They intercepted the charges. And Jesus took the charges that were made against you. Every sin, every accusation, every shred of guilt and shame, every mess up, everything you've ever done or ever well do that the enemy has recorded, and he took his blood on that legal document in heaven, and he blotted out your transgressions so that they never will be seen anymore. Jesus covered your charges. You don't have to pay. Everything that you were once in Adam has been placed on his cross and nailed permanently there in a public display of cancellation. In Jesus, your old life is canceled, just like this card. And in that moment in the spiritual realm, all of heaven had this victory parade. Jesus had disarmed the powers of darkness, he took away their weapons. And the Greek language paints this picture of him, of Jesus marching our enemies naked through the heavenly streets. It was a complete and utter slaughter of evil. Daniel records it this way in Daniel 7. He says, as I watched, the horn was waging war against God's holy people. And it was defeating them. Until... Until, my friends, the ancient one, the most high one, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people, you and me, to take over the kingdom as sons and daughters of Jesus. See, in Jesus, you have complete victory. Complete. And we believe this, right? I do too. So let me ask you the hard question. If we believe this, why are so many Christ followers living humdrum, ho-hum lives? Church has been relegated to a building that we attend when we don't have anything better to do, for the most part. I've got news for you. The church is not a building. The church is not an event. The church is not a country club that has exclusive members only privileges. Here's the deal. You are the church. You are the temple of God. You are his chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own special possession. You're his temple, his dwelling place. 
He wanted you back so bad that he paid the ultimate price. He sent his son to ransom you so that he could indwell you, so that he could empower you. You're a carrier of the presence and the power of God. Hello? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the church. Turn to your other neighbor that you don't like as much and say, you carry the presence of God. You know why I think we struggle with this? No, seriously, here's here's what I think. Don't feel bad, other neighbor. It's all right. Somebody's got to be second. I think why we struggle with this is because we know that we've been crucified with Christ. We know that we've been buried with him. I think we can grasp the concept that that our old self is dead and buried, right? I think the thing we struggle with wrapping our minds around is that we have this new identity to live in. We have this brand new person that we should be living in, that that person has all the power, not because of you, but because of Jesus in you, that we're not just dead and buried. We've been raised to life. Is this this making sense? I mean, do we look like people that have just been raised from the dead? I'm just asking the question. I'm asking myself. Do we look like people that have just been called out of a tomb by Jesus? Because I don't know, if you're dead and you come back to life again, you might be a little bit excited. I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I see more joy at a football game than I do at a gathering at church. And then you have to start to ask yourself the hard questions. I'm not shaming anyone. I'm not guilting anyone. I'm preaching to myself, okay? What I'm preaching about is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Not shame and guilt. But here's the reality. I think most of the time we're trying to live our lives in our old, dead, powerless selves our expired American Express card. And it's not working. And Paul starts off the third chapter of Colossians, and he says, because of what I just told you, since that you've been raised to new life with Christ, you were a dead man, you were a dead woman, and you just walked out of a grave. And because of that, because of this, set your sights. on the realities of heaven. Think about higher things, not earthly things, not the stuff that you can see with your physical eyes. Because you died, your real life is in Jesus. You've been raised to life, called out of a grave by Jesus. Yes, your old self is dead. You've been resurrected. You've been raised to life. See, Christ's resurrection, other translation says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection also. Isn't that good? So here's the deal. The next time someone asks you if you've ever seen someone raised from the dead, you know what you can say? Yes! It was me! I died with Jesus. I was buried with Jesus. And now I'm a brand new person. I've been resurrected with Jesus. 
And because of that powerful truth, Paul says, you and I got to take some action. We got some homework assignments to do. We got to set our sights, fix our eyes. That, that phrase, set our sights, is one Greek word. It's zedeo. Zedeo. It means this, to seek, to desire, to crave. It's the same word that Jesus used several times in Matthew. Matthew 6, he said, but Zedeo first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all this other stuff will be added. See, we're just doing it in the wrong order. It's not that the stuff is all bad, but we're doing it in the wrong order. Zedeo first, set your sights on that first. Care about only that first and then all this other stuff will be put in the right order. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking. Keep on zedeoing. You will find. Keep on knocking. That door will be open to you because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who zedeos finds. And everyone who knocks, that door will be opened. Amen? So set your sights because of this reality. Set your sights. It's a seeking in order to find. It's an activation. It's a, it's a desiring. It's craving more and more and more of Jesus. And then more. My favorite uh, C.S. Lewis quote is from his book, The Weight of Glory. And he writes this, it just paints such an accurate picture. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus offers us infinite joy. Does anybody need some joy this morning? I do. You have infinite joy in your new resurrected self. And yet we're so ignorant that we're like a kid that's just content making mud pies in the streets. Because we cannot imagine, it hasn't gone from our head to our heart, we cannot imagine another reality in which we're offered this life at a five-star resort on the beach. And so do you know what we do? We settle. We settle for the mud pies when there's so much more. See, the only way to fight the pleasures of this world it's to crave a higher pleasure. And that's the pleasure of Jesus. He's the only thing that will truly satisfy you and fill that void in you. Zedeo, first the kingdom. Set your sights on a reality that's higher than the one you can see with your physical eyes. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. You'll find that that door will be opened. And Paul says, hey, guys, <laughs> your old card is dead. But you got a new one. You've been resurrected into a new reality. See, you and I are simultaneously living in two realities. 
and I don't want to blow your brain cells or mine here this morning, but it's the truth. Right now, you're living in two realities. In the first reality, you're sitting in your chair right there. You're looking at me with your physical eyes, listening to me with your physical ears, or you're driving, listening to the podcast. That's your earthly reality. You're here on earth in time and space. But there's another reality that you're being called to live in, where you exist as a son or a daughter of the king. And Paul says it's that higher reality, that better reality. It's so much better than this earthly reality. See, that reality is your real life. This one is not. That reality is your real life, and Paul says, set your sights on that. Like when everything around you is crumbling, when everything is going wrong from your physical senses perception, he says, that's okay, because you can set your sights on that reality. That's your real reality with Jesus. And in that reality, it's the one where you're seated with Christ in heavenly realms, in a different dimension. So you simultaneously exist in another dimension that has a profound effect on this dimension. I know my, bl- my brain cells are starting to like go as well. This, d- this other dimension is the dimension of heaven. And your, your existence in that dimension has a profound effect on this dimension. I can't explain it to you scientifically because we don't understand it but I can tell you that it's real. And Paul is saying that reality, that dimension, that's your truest and your highest reality. And the prayer of Jesus to the Father, the one we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus mentions this. He prayed that heaven would collide with earth and invade earth. That what happens in that realm, in that heavenly realm, where you exist in your truest form, that that reality would collide with this reality and cause a shift. Where the earthly dimension begins to look more and more like the heavenly dimension. In Revelation, it talks about what's coming. It says, and when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Well, they're becoming that. We're getting, heaven is falling more and more to earth. The only question is, are you going to partner with that reality? And Paul says, don't, don't focus your feelings. Don't listen to your feelings in this earthly dimension because they will lie to you. Instead, your gaze, your eyes, your focus, your sight needs to be fixed on the real dimension that you live in the one that you've been raised to life in, the one where you're seated next to Christ in heavenly realms, that's where you have all the power, not in this earthly dimension. And Paul says you got to take your mind and your heart, which wander around and is distracted by all this stuff going on around us, and you've got to take it and focus it and set your sight, Zedeo, on that reality of heaven. Because I know we lose focus so easily, don't we? We get distracted by the smallest of things. And our enemy, while he is powerless, he still tries to lie to us and trick us and deceive us so that we don't use the power that we've been enabled to use. When we actually need to be focused on praying heaven down to earth. That's what Jesus told us to pray.
I think most of the time, though, and I do this all the time, we try to pray about our problems of this reality, the earthly reality, and bring our earthly problems to heaven, right? And Jesus is saying, guys, you have it all backwards. Don't bring your, bring your earthly problems to heaven. Instead, bring heavenly solutions to earth. Hello? Yes? You've been raised to life. You've been raised to sit in heavenly realms. The, the devil hates this message because you've been activated. <laughs> Hello? Yeah? Is anybody out there today? Your old card's been canceled. It's time to access the power that you have been given in your new life. And Paul goes on to say in the rest of the chapter, verse 5, he says, because that you've been raised to life, put to death those sinful earthly things that are lurking within you. All that stuff that Jesus paid for at the cross, all that junk that died with Jesus in that moment, don't try to bring that back. Like he paid the highest price ever possible for all that junk. He wanted it, he took it, he paid the highest punishment. Why are you trying to get it back from him? But because we live in this earthly reality, that stuff tries to rise up every once in a while. And we have to say, no, anger, back in the grave. Lust, get back in the grave. Shame, guilt, you're dead. Jesus paid the highest price for that. Get back in there. Because I'm going to live in that reality, the highest reality. So when that junk starts to rise up in your life, you can tell it where to go. It will rise up. It's risen up for me this week. And I, I, haven't, I haven't always been successful in telling it where to go. But you have to remind your old self that you're dead. I'm not going to choose to live in that dead reality. It's time to get back in the grave because I'm going to live in the highest reality possible. Verses 8 and 9, Paul says, You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You've stripped that off. My son plays uh, hockey. It's his favorite sport. Praise Jesus. Anybody else have kids that play sports? So Benny, there's a picture of him there after he's played a game. And, man, when he comes home, I don't know if you've ever been in a, like, hockey locker room or smelt a hockey bag. Like, that makes Lazarus's stench look like nothing. It's bad, right? Uh, do I have an amen? Yes? So when Benny gets home from hockey, his mom or his dad say, dude, you better strip that stuff off and go take a shower now. Like, don't pass go. Don't collect $100, $200. Like, get in the shower now, boy. Put that stuff where it belongs, in the grave clothes bin. Right? See, the same thing happens when our old dead self tries to rise up. You need to tell it where to go. Strip it off. You belong in the dirty clothes bin, in, in the grave clothes bin. And whenever you start to smell that stench rising up, with your spiritual senses, you remind it where to go, and you jump in the shower. Amen? See, but it doesn't stop there. 
because now you're naked. We're in between parts here. <laughs> we don't want you to stay naked. <laughs> For everyone's benefit. Paul says in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature. Put on your new clothes. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, it's a two-step process. You've got to get rid of the junk, but then you don't stop there. You've got to put something new on. In verse 12, he says, since God chose you. He chose you. Like, I, that's unbelievable. He didn't have to do that. He chose you. He redeemed you. And he called you to be his holy people. He called you out to become more like him. So because of that reality, you've got to clothe yourself. Thank goodness. With tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience, clothe yourself. That old self is crucified. Leave it in the grave. Strip off the grave clothes, but don't stop there. Put on your new clothes. This is who you are. Remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, there's a perfect example of this. Peter and John raced to the tomb when they'd heard about this, and they found it empty, but remember what was folded there? His grave clothes. He left all of his humanity behind. He stripped it off. That's what we need to do. And we've got this tension, though, between the two realities. The reality of our real life seated with Christ in heavenly realms and the reality of this old earthly life that's dead but stuff starts lurking up. And it's warfare. It's a battle. It's, it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday battle that we have to choose every moment to, to take our minds, to take our hearts, and to set our sights on our truest reality. So let's bookend this thing and we'll get back to the story of Lazarus where we started. Remember Jesus had finally arrived back at the tomb and the cave <laughs> had a stone across it. And he said, roll that stone aside and Martha being Martha, she said, Jesus, man, that's not a good idea. That's going to stink really bad. He's been dead for four days. Have you ever smelled uh, a, a, a rotting corpse? Like, all, the, all my friends and family around here, that's just not going to be pretty. I, we're grieving. We're kind of making our way through the process. Let's just not do that. Don't we do that, though? Like, when Jesus shows up, we have an excuse for why we don't want him to do the miracle. Jesus, that's just too weird. Huh. Yeah, read the Bible. It's a lot of weird stuff. You cannot put God in a box. Jesus, that's just going to be too awkward. Jesus, really, you want to roll the stone away? Like, you, you should have come and, and healed him when we told, told you to come. It's really going to stink now. And Jesus turned to Martha and says, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you just believe? If you just have a little faith. See, Jesus is working a miracle in your life today. Right here, right now. Don't walk away from the miracle. Don't stop him from what he's trying to do. Don't stop him from rolling the stone away just because you think it's going to stink. And so they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank I love this because he prays out loud. Thank you for hearing me, Father. 
you always hear me. But I'm going to say it out loud for the sake of the people here so that they will believe. There had to be some faith activated in that moment. And then Jesus looked inside the cave and says, Lazarus, get out of here. Come on out. And the dead man started walking out. But here's the part I didn't tell you at first, and Benny's going to help me with this. It says, as the dead man came out, his hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a headcloth. See, here's the deal. You're, you're just like Lazarus. And if you've turned to Jesus, you've walked out of that grave. You're fully alive in Jesus, except for this one detail. Your grave clothes are still on. You can't be very active in the life of Jesus looking like that, can you? You're fully alive, resurrected in Jesus. Lazarus is fully alive, but you can't set your sights. You can't see anything behind that. You can't fix your eyes on Jesus because you're still bound up in your old, stinking grave clothes. And Jesus tells everybody something so profound that we need to do today. He tells them, unwrap him and let him go. We have Christ followers wandering around us with their grave clothes still on. And Jesus is telling you today, I came to unwrap you. That word unwrap, it means to unbind, to loose, to release. You can't do anything when you're bound up in grave clothes. Even though you're fully resurrected. Lazarus was fully resurrected, but he couldn't do anything until he was unbound, unwrapped. Those clothes are meant for the dead. So why are you still wearing them? You need an entirely new wardrobe. In Isaiah 61, my favorite passages ever, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is the chapter that, the, the verses that Jesus prophesied. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released, that prisoners will be freed. He, sent, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And we're going to unbind some things this morning. We're going to unwrap some things this morning. We're going to loose you and I from the grip of whatever is holding us back. We're going to release ourselves into a new reality. And like I said, this is not a one-time decision. You get dressed every day, yes? Thank you. This is a daily, moment-by-moment moment renewing of your heart and mind every single day, every few moments where you have to decide to strip off those grave clothes, to unwrap those grave clothes, the stench of what is dead so you can live in the power of what is alive. So we're going to do that today. Would you stand with me? What grave clothes have you been wearing that need to be stripped off? See, with Jesus, whenever something is removed or broken off in your life, he always replaces it with something new. For example, a few, a few verses later in Isaiah 61, he says that he gives the garment of praise 
instead of the spirit of heaviness. You want to know how to get rid of the clothes of heaviness? You put on clothes of praise. And sometimes it's just like getting up in the morning and getting dressed. You may not feel like going to work. You may not feel like doing it. You may not feel like praising God. You may feel a spirit of heaviness on you, those grave clothes. But listen to me, you cannot trust your feelings in this earthly reality. And sometimes you just got to start praising before you get the feeling. Amen? Sometimes you better just start putting on a sock of praise. Put, put on a hat of praise. Get your arms up high. Do something. Put a sweater on. Whatever it takes, put on a garment of praise. And your spirit of heaviness goes back to the grave. It's time to change our clothes. It's time to rip those grave clothes off so that we can zedeo, so we can set our sights. Just in this moment, just bow with me. Let's, we close our eyes so we can concentrate on the real reality that we live in. If you feel comfortable, just open your hands up. It's just an earthly reality that reflects the reality of your heart that you're open to the Holy Spirit, open to change in this moment. What are your grave clothes today? What's stinking in your life that needs to be ripped off? Jesus has come to unwrap you and unbind you and release you today. And just like Lazarus, Jesus has called you out of the grave, but maybe you're not completely free. Yes, you're alive in Jesus, but you're bound. You need to be unwrapped. Jesus, you see these hearts and these hands. You see the power that is in this room, a power to take a city for you. But we have to be living in our new reality. We have to set our sights. We have to choose to strip off the grave clothes. So Holy Spirit, we strip off what is dead this morning. We take off what stinks this morning. We say guilt and shame, you no longer have a place in our lives. Get back in the grave. We're putting on what is new. And instead, we put on the clothes of grace. We release grace over these people today, Jesus. We take the grave clothes of bitterness off. Things that have, in your past, that have held you back. We say, no, no longer. That's not going to hold me back. I'm not going to be bound up by that. Release that today, Jesus. And we release forgiveness in this place today. There's some people in here that need to make a phone call, that need to see a friend, that need to forgive somebody right after this. That's you're putting on clothes, the new clothes, and the new reality of what you live in. And we say, bitterness, get in the grave. You no longer have power over us. We say to anger, we're done with you. You stink. Get back in the grave. And instead we pray, replace anger with the love of your son. The love that knows no bounds. With gentleness. The gentleness of Jesus. We put on those clothes. We take the stench of lust and we kick it back into the grave. No longer does lust control us. Those grave clothes are need to be burned. 
Instead, we put on the love of God to see people as you see people. Every single person, a mosaic. Every single person, an individual made in the image of your face. We strip off fear this morning. Fear's controlled you for too long. No, you're dead. Get back in the grave. And instead we strap on bold and courageous faith. We're going to operate out of bold, courageous faith. God, we release faith over these people to change a city, to change a nation, to change a world. We rip off anxiety this morning. And instead, we place the peace of God, the shalom of God, the presence of the very goodness of God on these hearts and minds. No more anxiety. Peace. We walk in peace. We are people of peace. We bring peace to this city. We release peace in this city. And we remove isolation from our lives. God, people that feel lonely and isolated, we say, no, we're ripping that off today. That stinks. We're done with that. We want community. We release community. We release you unity in this city, in this area, over these churches. Come together, not be divided. Where there's division, that's the devil. That stinks. We're done with that. We release community. We release neighborhoods that love each other, not isolated from each other. And we take down pride, everything that exalts itself against your name that's gone, that's back in the grave. We are wearing humility, Jesus. We put on humility. We bow to only one name. That's your name. We lift only one name high. It's not about us. It's all about you. It's all about you. We release humility on these people this morning. God, we remove harshness. We want to be like you, Jesus, to live in the reality you've created us to live in. We release gentleness. We put on the clothes of gentleness. We strip off depression. Depression, you're gone. It's done with. It's over. We battle you and no longer, Jesus. Any spirit of heaviness is gone. We're going to sing our way. We're going to praise our way. We're going to put on one sock at a time into your infinite joy. We release joy this morning, Jesus. Oh, you inhabit the praises of your people. We release praise this morning, Jesus. We release praise. You've called us out of the grave. We stand there before you. We're taking those grave clothes off. We're taking the stench of that off. It goes back in the grave. We stand before you. We can see you. We're resurrected. We are a miracle before you. And now we commit to living every single day in our new reality. We set our sights. We zideo you only. We live in that heavenly reality where all the power comes from. We're not going to try to swipe that old credit card anymore. It's dead. We run after you, Jesus. And since we've been raised to life with you, we set our eyes, we fix them, fix our gaze on you. We choose to think about things that are yours, not what our earthly eyes can see. Jesus, may the pull and the attraction of earth, the pull and attraction of things and this world that we see, that we live in, would that just fade?
fade away. Fade away. We choose not to settle anymore. We choose not to make any more mud pies. But we're going to go for infinite joy. We're going to go for a holiday by the sea. And we choose to chase after you, Jesus, to desire you as our one and only, to keep seeking, to keep asking, to keep knocking, that what was closed is now open, to fix our eyes on you, and to live in the real life that we were created to live in. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise it up.